everybody, this is Max, host of Talking Late Night. Now, don't worry. You are in the right place. You are about to hear an amazing episode featuring Cassidy Russell, who is my guest for this week's episode. But I did want to let you guys know that in the middle of recording, we did have some technical difficulties as the Wi-Fi went out. So you might hear some cuts and some edits that don't sound quite right. But don't worry, all the information still in there. All the great stories and funny lines that Cassidy had are all in there intact and good to go. So I hope you enjoy listening. I hope you have as good of a time listening to the episode as I did talking to Cassidy. And now, if you listen closely, you might hear a saxophone intro. Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host, Max Cantor. For some reason, last week, I forgot to say my last name in the introduction. I just said my name is Max. Uh, but now you know. Now you know my last name is Max Cantor. You can go, and whoever's listening, you can find me on Facebook and friend me. I might not friend you back because I don't entirely know who's listening to this, but we'll see. Now, But now you know. Max Cantor. That's who I am. Um, now, I am very excited for the guest that I have on this week because she is absolutely hilarious. She's an extremely talented improviser. She's an artist of not just comedy, but like real art. Like She's a real art artist. And in addition to all that, she is one half of the extremely well-known improv duo, Rufio. So please welcome to the show, Cassidy Russell. Welcome to the show, Cassidy. Hey, thank you. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, but you recently, you just moved up to Chicago. And so I just wanted to know, you know, how is it going? How are you settling in? Good so far. Um, I, I have unpacked all my books and that's when I feel like I'm settled. Oh, okay. So do you have, have you been to Chicago before? I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been up here. Um, my mom grew up here, so I've been here fairly often. Um, but now I'm here. Yeah. You're there for real. Like, you're, <laughs> like it, it's your city now. I guess. Have you been exploring the city, like walking around, checking things out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I love like cities that are really walkable. Um, and it's it's so nice. I mean, I love I love Atlanta, but it's not like a big walking city, you know, like everybody drives. Um, and it's just nice to like walk around and there's Christmas decorations everywhere. It's pretty cute. Is it super cold yet up there or is it not like yet? No, not yet. It's coming, though. <laughs> I've, apparently it snowed like two weeks ago and I'm, I missed that. But I'm living in fear. <laughs> it could be any moment. where the yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm excited, like I said, to have you on the show. Um, so just to jump right into it, you know, growing yeah. up as a kid when you were younger, what late night shows influenced you and your comedy? <laughs> um, does does Bill Nye count? That that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I feel we didn't watch like a ton of TV when I was a kid. Um. I, my friends actually make fun of me a lot because there are a lot of like cultural references that I just don't get from TV and movies um, that we basically, when I was a kid, we watched Bill Nye the Science Guy and then we went to bed. <laughs> so you watched Bill Nye the Science Guy, not in school, but like... For no, like for fun. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when... What, I, just, I just imagine you sitting in like your class and the teacher rolls in the TV... And you're like, I've seen this one, seen this episode already. 
yeah, basically. Um, I loved Bill Nye, though. I think he's very funny. And I actually, I just read his most recent book, and it was so good. He's an interesting dude. So, like, thinking back to when you were a kid, when you were watching Bill Nye, were you watching it <laughs> in science? Like, was that's what drew you to it, or was it his personality? Well, I think partially it was, like, one of the shows. Again, we just, like, didn't, we were not a TV family. Um, and I think, A, my, I have one sister, and she and I were not super, like, we weren't begging to watch TV, you know? Um, but also my parents like didn't really want us to watch a lot of TV, but because it was like educational, it, it was acceptable. Um, it definitely wasn't the science. I've science has like never been my thing. Uh, but I just, I don't know. That was like the show that, that we were allowed to watch. <laughs> um, so I didn't start watching like actual late night until probably like late high school, college. What was it like to, to like go to school with your friends and they're, <laughs> they're referencing these, these things like you were saying that you don't understand, but you're referencing Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> I've always been very hip. Um, no, I mean, it's, it still happens like all the time that people will like say some quote from a movie or a TV show and everyone will laugh and I'll just kind of like nod quietly. Um, I'm slowly trying to watch those things so that I at least understand the references. Do you have a Bill Nye episode that, like, stands out in your mind of, like, oh, yes, this impacted me? Well, I remember specifically, and this is, like, the silliest, you know, like, science experiment, but, like, you know, if you rub, like, a balloon on your head and then hold it over, like, a packet of dry jello, and then all the jello, like, pops up onto the balloon, it's like static electricity. I remember watching that, and then I, I did that as a science experiment for my class in, like, second or third grade. Wow. So Bill Nye inf really influenced you in your life. I mean, I, I didn't realize that until like right now, but I guess. <laughs> well, did, so like, because I know nowadays, you know, you're an artist and you're also a comedian. Mm -hmm. Is there anything when you think back to your memories of watching Bill Nye with, with you <laughs> and your sister? Is there anything where you're like, OK, he did this. That was kind of funny. So I can see how that influenced me or led me in one direction. Um, I mean, he's, he's kind of just like a goofy dude. He started out in stand-up. Um, really? Yeah, so he, I don't know why I know so much about Bill Nye, but um, he studied like engineering and stuff in college. So like he, you know, he knows about science, but he, he did stand-up and that like slowly transitioned into a, a TV career. Wow, I, d I had no idea. Yeah, well, you know what? There's a lot out there in the universe. If you go to the public library, you'll learn. That's very true, and there's a lot to learn. Watch Bill Nye religiously growing up. <laughs> well, I mean, I would definitely remember, like, as a kid, I remember a couple of like moments watching TV shows and being like, "Okay, that's comedy." You know what I mean? But for me as a kid, it, it wasn't late night just because we we didn't watch that. Yeah. So when you're when you say, "Okay, that's comedy," what? What are you saying that's comedy to? Um, I have I have two like really specific memories from being a kid. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be an artist or an actress um, were like my goals. Uh, and but I, I think I didn't like think specifically about comedy, but I always was like kind of goofy, you know. Um, and I remember one time watching reruns of the Brady Bunch um, and, you know, that great moment when, like, that episode where Jan pretends she has a boyfriend, but she doesn't really. 
Uh Um, it's hilarious. Um, and there's this one moment where like, she's like sending herself flowers to like, try to make it look like she has a boyfriend because, you know, Marsha always does and stuff. And that her parent, and she like pretends to talk on the phone to him and that um, they're sitting around the table and someone says, um, oh, you have a boyfriend, Jan, what's his name? And she says, George. And then she looks around and she sees a glass and says, George Glass. And I remember being like, there it is, comedy. Like that, that really worked for me. So when you watch these types of things, did you say to yourself, okay, now I want to be the funny one. I want to make others laugh. I don't know if it was conscious, but definitely that was always like, I was always like that um, of like doing, you know, I was very definitely like performative as a kid. So, so you, um, your goal, I mean, as a kid, you, you were actively looking to entertain or make others laugh. Definitely to entertain. I think, um, so like in elementary school, you know, we did all, I was in all of the like tiny little plays that we did. Um, but they're more, I think I, oh man, I was probably kind of annoying. Cause I think it was more like I, I wanted like the attention a little bit, even more than the laughter. Cause like, you know, elementary school plays are not funny. They're, they're also, you know, it's not like they're huge, like dramatic masterpieces, but I always wanted to play like the role that I thought was the most interesting. So all the way through high school, I played like a lot of male roles because in elementary school, like we do, you know, uh, we did like a Midsummer Night's Dream and I played Puck. We did a like a play about the Greek god Apollo. I played him. We did a play about Marco Polo. I played Marco Polo. Um, so it was more like I, I wanted to get to like the meat of it as a little kid, I think. So when you said that you wanted to be like an entertainer and an actress and you knew that mm-hmm. from a young age. Um, mm-hmm. what was your like ultimate goal? Were you like, Oh, I'm going to become a movie star. Like, was that what you were looking at? I think I always just wanted, it's kind of the same thing now. Like I just wanted to act and I mean, I would be very happy to be a movie star, but I just, I like doing it, mm-hmm. whether it's like theater or improv or, you know, TV stuff. Like I, I just wanted to do it. So you mentioned, you know, doing it with like improv, um, cause mm-hmm. some people, some people say when you get up to do improv, it's still you, you're not really acting. What is, what is your thoughts on acting and improv? Oh man, I think acting is a huge part of improv. Um, I feel like, so I've, I've taught for a while now improv, um, in addition to doing it. And I can always tell like students in classes who started out in theater, Um, and I think you can be a great improviser without ever having done other acting stuff, but I think being a good actor gives you just a huge leg up. Um, and there'll be people that like, I won't even notice for a while aren't that funny because they're good enough actors that they're still interesting to watch on stage. Um, so I think acting is like a huge part of improv. That that's interesting that you say, you know, even though they're not making people laugh, they're still entertaining at Mm -hmm. the same time. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think that's like the kind of, I guess it's still comedy, but that I'm the most interested in um, is, you know, I'd, I'd rather like have the best noise I think you can hear when you're on stage is when like people in the audience gasp, um, because it means they're like invested. Um, And obviously, I like when people laugh, like I'm not (laughs) hoping they don't. Um, But those moments when you can tell like you're really emote, like they care about what you're doing. That's, I think, the coolest. 
Yeah, I was doing, uh, I was looking you up online. I was reading um, an, uh, an interview with you and the, uh, they wrote an article about you. And I, I have a quote that I pulled from it because I thought it was super interesting. And uh -huh. it says that your first improv teacher told you that he'd rather have an audience sitting silently for an entire show and leave feeling fulfilled than have an audience laugh for an entire show and leave feeling empty. So what are your thoughts on that quote? Oh, man, I think it's awesome. Uh, I think our ultimate goal is that we would like an audience to laugh and also leave feeling fulfilled, you know? Um, but, I mean, what I was saying with, like, hearing an audience gasp or, like, once in a while you'll do something and the audience will do, like, a, oh, you know, those, like, I think it's just important to remember as comedians that like one of our hugest strengths we can use is making people feel. Um, and that to me, at least like the comedy that I think is, is the funniest and most interesting isn't always just jokes. It's when you like care emotionally about what's happening. I, I completely agree. And I really, when, when you said, I think to your shows uh, with Rufio, and we'll talk about Rufio a little bit later, um, mm -hmm. but in, in all the, all the shows guys, it's all about like storytelling like you don't really focus on oh let's let's be witty let's make them laugh it's all about crafting that story and making that story where the audience can really connect with the characters involved yeah i mean that's our goal so thank you <laughs> um and i i think maybe for me that comes from the fact that like before i started watching comedy like almost as you know like a late teenager like watching comedy on purpose, I read a ton. So it was always about like story telling is what I was interested in. And I, you know, I came up doing theater, which I generally played like the kind of funny part of the show, but it's still, you know, it wasn't just about the laughs. So when you say you started watching comedy, you know, in late mm -hmm. high school, what were you watching? Oh man. Well, a couple of things. My, um, like, one of my best friends in high school and I would watch the movie airplane like every weekend. Um, so I've seen that movie like a hundred times. Um, so that was huge <laughs> for me. Um, which is funny because it's like the opposite of what I was just saying, you know, it's all jokes. Um, but dang, I love that movie. Um, and then in like late high school, college, I started watching SNL. And I was doing a fair amount of like sketch comedy then, so I think that is what kind of got me into that. So when you're watching like the SNL sketch, um, mm -hmm. did you ever try to write your own or replicate or act out what they were doing? Let's see. Um, well, my um, friend and I did write a play based off of the movie Airplane Bet about our high school, so that's a neat thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, like we just used really similar joke structures, but about our high school instead of about people stuck on an airplane. We got in trouble. I got like actually sent to the principal's office one time in high school for um, in math class. Our teacher said we had a pop quiz and I out loud said, looked like, looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniff and glue, which um, is a line from airplane. Not a real thing I was doing, but uh, that was not considered funny. <laughs> Um, and then I was in a sketch comedy group in college. So we, you know, we wrote sketches, but they weren't specifically like based off of SNL things or anything. Hmm. Well, I just, wow. So when you say that in high school, 
you know, mm-hmm. look, like, look like I picked the the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> Does that do, do your classmates laugh or do they look at you like she's crazy? It was more the second. Um, <laughs> I think like I mean, I think of that movie as like a classic of like the comedy canon, but it's also it's not like what was cool when I was in high school, you know, Um the same, like, I loved, like, The Jerk. Like, so movies that were, like, a little bit older, I guess, um, when, you know, most other people were really into, I mean, Anchorman was a little after, but those kinds of movies. Um, so, yeah, no, people thought I was a little crazy, I think. So, you know, even though they're thinking you're a little crazy, did you find people who, like, had similar minds like you and were interested in the same stuff. So you guys formed your kind of comedy crew. I definitely did in college. Yeah. Um, my, and especially like the, uh, my roommate senior year, he was, he is a stand-up comedian and he was like, I think he's the person who kind of showed me you could be serious about comedy, which was like really exciting for me because I, I always felt, I don't know. I, I wasn't a theater major in college um, and I'd thought about being one. And then I I was an art major and I always felt a little like I had, you know, like given up on this like dream and then realizing that comedy, which I think naturally is like puts together a lot of this, like improv, especially naturally puts together most of the things that I'm good at, like that. It would be cool if the things that I'm good at, like made me a doctor or something. (laughs) But um, I think it really, it's like improv kind of, combines those things and he was the first person i met who was like no you can like you can do this you can treat comedy as seriously as you can treat anything else so where did you go to college i went to notre dame so okay so notre dame i know is in south bend indiana when you go there there are you like where's the comedy scene like is that is that what happens what what is the comedy scene in south bend indiana I mean, it's not a lot. Uh, there was an improv group. Um, so I did that and, um, it was like an improv slash sketch group. So they did short form. Um, and then a couple friends and I started a long form group. We, none of us had ever, so I did improv in high school, um, but short form. And then my, like, we really want, liked the idea of long form, but there was nobody doing it. There was nobody who could like coach us. So probably like three friends and I, um, or four, there were like five or six of us, we had Truth and Comedy, that book, and we tried to teach ourselves how to do a Herald, um, which is ridiculous. And I mean, we were doing long form, but we were definitely not doing a Herald. We were, we were just trying our best. Um, so I started kind of doing that sort of stuff then, and then... When I, li- I lived in D.C. for a couple of years after college, and there's a pretty big improv scene there. And that's so I, I mean, I'd done improv for like eight years before I ever took a class. When you went to college, what made you major in art instead of like theater or communications? <laughs> what was uh-huh. your thinking? Uh, this is <laughs> so terrible. But so I, I, I was declared as a theater major and I went to my. And like, that's what, when I'd been looking at colleges, I looked at like conservatories, like that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I went to my first class um, and it was like a history of theater class. So it wasn't even like performance based and everyone was so annoying. Like <laughs> I walked in and like people were singing and it was, I was just like, these are not my people. Um, and 
so the next day I dropped being a theater major and I took ceramics instead. Um, and I'd, I'd always been interested in art. My, my dad was a painter and, um, I just like that made more sense to me. And then I found the comedy like people instead of the theater. And I love theater and I, I love theater people, but it just like did not work for me, um, for some reason. So you major in art. Were you very like involved with art in high school and middle school and, you know, growing up? Um, I mean, I was pretty famous in my elementary school for being the best at drawing a skeleton. So that was really useful at Halloween. But, um, I mean, we always did like art stuff growing up. I was always really into art history as a kid. Um, so, so it definitely, it wasn't like a shocking choice. And what, what type of art interested you the most when you declared your major? Um, so I studied printmaking, um, in undergrad and grad school, um, which I liked because it kind of combines a lot of different kinds of art. So you, you, you may have to explain this to me because I don't know what printmaking is. I think of printmaking <laughs> and the first thing that comes to my mind is like a, like a printer and you're printing mm-hmm. things out. Like I know obviously that's not what it is. I've definitely had a lot of people be like, so like Kinko's? Uh, right, like, like, and obviously that wouldn't be, you wouldn't, you know, major in college to in Kinko's. <laughs> so describe um, what is printmaking? What is the art of printmaking? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it really does combine a lot of different stuff, but it's, I focused a lot on a letterpress um, and like woodcuts and that sort of, so it's like you make an image on a surface and then transfer it onto paper. So instead of with painting, you make one painting with printmaking, you can make as many as you want because you have like a, a thing that you're starting with that you can replicate over and over. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So did you ever incorporate, your interest in comedy with your interest in printmaking? So I, I haven't ever really made like funny art. Um, I would say in, in college, I, I used a little more humor, but like bitterness sort of <laughs> that um, just being in college in a pretty um, like male centric environment. Um, I made a lot of work that was about being female that definitely was like a little bit funny. Um, but then after college, my, my work's not normally isn't comedic at all. I would say um, one thing that I've noticed is the way that I make art is really similar to the way that I work on stage um, of like making a move and then reacting to it. So I don't generally go in be- with like, okay, this is what this is going to look like at the end. Um, it's more all, you know, get a piece of paper and do one thing and then step back and look at it and then do the next thing, which is sort of the same with improv. So I think that's just kind of how my brain works is maybe what I've learned from those two things. Mm -hmm. So you're not really, you're not really planning ahead for your artwork. Mm -mm. No. How long does it kind of like improv? How long does it normally take you when you sit down to, to, I don't know what's what's the word is it print to to print things is that the correct verb is that the terminology um, <laughs> yeah that verb works i mean i i just kind of say i'm a maker in general um i, I make things 
Uh, and it, it depends. I mean, sometimes I'll make a piece in like a day. Uh, I finished this large scale sculptural commission last year that was like two years in the making. So it just kind of depends. Wow. Pretty, so when, pretty crazy. And you do like uh, when someone commissions you for two years to work on something, how, yeah. <laughs> how mentally do you, do you stay in it? And- I mean, that was crazy. That was the longest I've ever worked on a piece. And like, by the end, I was like, just take it. (laughs) And I was very happy with how it turned out. But there were definitely periods that I hated it. Um, Because that's a long time. Hey, Cassidy. Hey. Oh, boy. This is exciting. (laughs) I will say, though, I will say, um, it's kind of like the the improv scene you like doing because we weren't just saying words. There was there was emotion. It, there was a, <laughs> like you said, there was there was drama. It was intense. Uh, there was a lot of of chaos on my end of me just being like, I don't know what's happening because I know like zero when it comes to technology. Nothing. Oh, I'm with you. So I was just like, well. I guess this is it. I guess I will have to just send up a smoke signal into the air <laughs> and hope it reaches her. But man, I okay. would have gotten it. <laughs> I'm sure eventually you would have gotten yeah. it. You said it hadn't started snowing yet. So no, so it'd been fine. <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry. Um, now I, I'll be honest with you. I do not remember what we were talking about, <laughs> but you were talking, you were telling fantastic tales about whatever I asked you about <laughs> because then it cut out like in the middle of you talking. <laughs> so do you have any, do you remember what, what you were talking about? Otherwise we can just start fresh and we'll just keep on chugging along. Um, I don't remember. That's okay. Cause I have a question that I thought about Ooh. as I was, as I was pacing I around. Um, I, I actually record all my podcasts in my friend uh, Katie's, uh, she has her own podcast called Keep Moving Forward. I'm saying that because it's like a shout out because this is all going to go in the final podcast that I publish. Um, keep Moving <laughs> Forward. Um, and I was I was just pacing around the room while she like ran around and was like, okay, maybe we'll try this. Maybe we'll try this. And I was like, hmm, I have a question for Cassidy. So Cassidy. It was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it because in that, you know, 10 minutes of panicking, I, I got a new question for you. So <laughs> when you moved to D.C., yes. what – what improv troops did you become a part of? And I know that's like that's such a basic question to think no. about in ten minutes. Uh, but but I I genuinely want to know. You know, what did you get involved with when you got to DC? Yeah. So up to that point, I had done a lot of short form, and then um, a little bit of like self-taught long form. Um, and I knew that I liked long form, but I didn't know that much else about it. Um, And so when I got to, um, DC, a, um, I wasn't doing improv at first, like for the first, you know, couple of months. And, um, my college roommate had called a mutual friend of ours who like both of us were better friends with my roommate than we were with each other at that point. Um, and said, Cassidy needs to do improv, just sign her up. And so my friend Bill was already doing improv in um, DC and he signed us up for this. um, DC has this huge three and now it might be different, but when I was there, it was like a three person team improv tournament that's bracketed like sweet 16 style. Wow. Um, Yeah. 
And um, so he signed us up for it. And so at that point, I had never like really done a long form show. Um, so the very first long form show that I did was um, in that tournament. And we made it to, so there's like, normally like 60 teams. It's crazy. Um, and we made it that year to like either to the top eight or the top 16. Um, and then the next year, um, Bill and I did it again and we won. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was like one of those like moments of just, you know, when you just feel like pure joy, like there are no other emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how that felt. <laughs> um, so I did that. And um, so when I was there, I, I took, um, because I'd done improv for a while, they, um, I, I got to skip the first couple classes. Um, so I took their two top level classes and then like during that, um, the, TA from one of those classes and I became good friends and she asked me to be on a team that um, did the close quarters format, which I love. Um, And then I was on another team that played pretty like fast and loose and crazy. Um, And another team, a bunch of teams. I I was on a team that just did the bat, which is like the most specific format. I feel like you can just do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was on a Herald team. Um, so I did a ton and um, it was nice because the teams I was on were really different from each other, which I think is really important um, to me, at least if I was doing a bunch of teams that all felt the same, I, I think I wouldn't be as excited, but knowing that like Tuesday night, you know, I'd have a show with my Herald team and then like Wednesday night I might be playing in a bar doing, you know, that like kind of fast and loose, crazy improv. And then Thursday night I'd be at the theater doing a close quarters, which is like pretty serious and you have to think the whole time like having that sort of like change up was really great for me so you mentioned you know a lot of different types of formats a lot of formats that i'm not familiar with so okay so could you describe to me you said close quarters and then was it bat or bad yeah the bat the bat so um, can you uh, explain both of those yeah so the bat is a herald but it's in the dark oh, oh um, okay yeah so it's almost like a radio show sort of that's pretty cool um it is. It's hard. Um, it was good for me. I think I never realized what a physical player I am. I always thought that, you know, I, I was pretty like verbal and mental. And then I did the the bat for the first time and like, no one can see your face. And I was like, Oh man, I just learned where I lead from in improv in my <laughs> face. Um, so that was like a good challenge. Um, and then the close quarters. Oh man, it's so fun. So um, it's a format where everything happens in the same geographic area. So like an apartment building or a school um, at the same time. So if a, um, if someone, you know, like sets, starts a fire three minutes into the scene in the, um, if it's in a school and someone starts a fire three minutes into a scene in the, you know, like science lab that sets off the fire alarm, then three minutes into every single scene that you see, the fire alarm needs to go off. Wow. So that's a lot of like remembering what happens that overlap. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Um, I mean, I love doing improv where you're just kind of like going wild and going for it. But there's something in like my way that I work that I I love like having to be super focused and super on the whole time. Um, I think that's why I mean, I love doing two person shows because like there's no pause. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I guess that like that's the challenge to me. 
so all these different formats they're all so unique have you mm -hmm. ever or have you ever created or been a part of a team that created its own format um i think definitely like openings but never maybe a whole format like do i've definitely you know been parts of teams where we kind of like rift off of an existing format um and then in I, i've coached a lot and i think one of the things that i'm that i'm good at as a coach is helping teams figure out a format to use which generally means coming up with an opening and then doing a herald or doing a montage or you know doing a laurent but coming up with an opening that's individual to that team i i really like helping teams do that what's it like to coach and help a team i love it um I was so intimidated at first just because you, I don't know, whenever you're, I felt like when I was on a team, like my coach knew so much, you know, that putting yourself in that position is, is scary. Um, but it, it's really lovely. I mean, especially I've, I was really lucky in Atlanta. I worked with a ton of teams um, and it, it it's very satisfying um, because generally, I mean, it's people who are taking it seriously because they're, they're spending the time they're paying you, you know, which are, I think if you're starting a team, like pay a coach, because that's saying we take this seriously, like just that move. Um, so we're like, those are the people I want to work with, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was very lucky. I, I coached pretty much sisters um, while I was there who were just named the best comedy troupe in Atlanta um, by creative loafing. Um, I coached a couple of house teams for village theater. Um, I, I, I mean, I just, I coached a lot, which I think selfishly also made me a better improviser because if you're coaching or you're teaching, I take both of those things really, really seriously. And I feel like I figured out what I think, like my viewpoint in, um, comedy a lot more by having to express it to other people where before I was coaching and teaching, I think I knew in the back of my head, you know, what I thought was interesting or, you know, the moves that, I appreciated making, but it wasn't until I started teaching and coaching and had to help people figure out what that was for them that I really figured out, I think, my own viewpoint. So when a team comes to you and they ask you to be their coach, what mm -hmm. what do they ask you to help out with? Or are there specific things that come to you and they're like, look, we need help doing this? Or is it more just like, we want a coach? <laughs> um, it can be kind of either. I mean, I've worked with teams who, you know, I was there at their very first meeting and rehearsal. Um, which then, you know, it might be help us find a format, help us work together, you know, for some people, like they're still in classes and haven't been doing improv for that long. And so it's, you know, it can be help helping individual performers figure out how to perform. Um, but then I also, I have worked with teams who have said, you know, okay, we're working on this specific thing, whether it's playing, you know, slower or, um, I think generally if teams come to me wanting to work on something specific, it's like playing maybe a little bit like slower generally, less jokey kind of is what I feel like a lot of people want help with. Okay, I see, I see, I understand now. Um, when, what was your reasoning, what was the reason that you came to Atlanta from D.C.? I went to grad school in Atlanta, so I, um, I went to SCAD um, for art. Okay, so you came here and then you immediately jumped in and got involved with the improv and comedy community? Yeah, pretty quickly. Um, I So I lived in the Old Fourth Ward, um, 
and I went online and I looked at all the improv theater websites and no offense to improv theaters across the world, but unilaterally, they all have bad websites. <laughs> um, they're always confusing. <laughs> um, and I, I had a really hard time telling. And again, this was like five years ago, so I'm sure everybody's websites are better now. But I had a really hard time telling who was doing long form, um, which was what I, I wanted to be doing. Um, so I had a hard time telling that. It was also like right, I think, on the cusp of when theaters were starting to do long form more in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um so I ended up going to Village because they were the physically closest theater to my apartment. <laughs> and so I, I walked over and I saw a show. And afterwards, I um, introduced myself to one of the volunteers. And he introduced me to one of the owners. And um, they put, I mean, kind of trusted me, basically. You know, I, I'm sure I was pretty annoying. I was like, I will audition. I can give you references. You know, the director of my old theater had been like, I'll talk to anyone like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, they put me on one of their house teams um, to start off. So what is that like jumping into a, a new theater, a new team, Mm -hmm. new people, you don't know anybody. And they were just kind of like, yeah, we trust you. Here you go. So it was pretty goofy. Um, (laughs) I think one of the things I definitely (laughs) realized is like how Atlanta has its own um, like lingo for improv. Mm. Um, Cause I remember there being a couple things that like at first someone would say, you know, as just like a casual, you know, the name of a warm up or the way they like reference something. And I would be like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what that is. And people would be like, we thought you'd done improv before. And I was oh. like, are you kidding me? Um, but you know, you figure that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so- yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I think I also showed up at a, at a pretty exciting time um, where just lots of stuff was happening. That was before, um, Highwire was a theater, so I did shows with um, Ian and some people from Dad's um, and a couple people from Village in like the basement of this bar in Castleberry Hill. Um, like there was just cool, like obviously there's cool stuff happening now, but it was kind of like a, I think a lot of change was happening right then. So how long did it take you from when you came here to when Rufios became a thing? Oh, that was like almost immediate. <laughs> really? I, I, I was pretty... Um, so at that point, um, Village Theater didn't have, there weren't like a lot of independent improv teams. It was, you were on a house team was how it worked. And I knew I liked smaller teams um, and that I, I wanted to find people who wanted to do the same stuff that I did. Um, and so Vincent, who's the other half of Rufio, I talked to him almost immediately um, about starting something. And I think I started at Village Theater in like November um, and by February we did um, a tournament that no longer exists, but there used to be a black box tournament that Georgia Tech hosted. Um, And I think we won it that like four months later. Wow. So you had immediate chemistry with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of my first friends that I made in Atlanta. So when you guys first got together to form Rufio, did you have any idea of what you were doing or was it just kind of like, let's, let's play together and see where it goes. It was like, let's play together and see where it goes. Um, we, we worked with coaches a little bit at the beginning. Um, and then we just, I mean, we're lucky that we play together, um, on, we played together on the village theater main stage team too. So we just worked together all the time. Um, and, and it just slowly evolved. I mean, we pretty much did the same our format didn't change hugely. It changed a little bit. Um, and then we just started 
doing shows at least once a month. And we've, we did the Del Close marathon, I think four years in a row up in New York. Um, we went to out of bounds in Austin this year, we went and did, um, a festival up in Alaska. So, um, I, I think we're just lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Do Alaskans have good, a good sense of humor? Oh my gosh. That festival is the greatest. Um, it's so the Alaska improv festival, it's in Juneau and it's so lovely because like amazing improvisers come to it. These great teams from like all over the U S and then people from all over the world. Um, and it's, I think it's really lovely because no one's trying to like get famous, you know, you're in Alaska, like you're not going to get discovered. (laughs) Um, so everybody's like very open. It was so great. It like, it was exactly what I needed. I was feeling a little burnt out and it made me like realize why I love improv. Cause you know, like after a set, everybody watched all of the shows. Um, and after like a set, if you talked to people, like, I remember I was, I was talking to this girl and I was like, I loved your guys opening. And she was like, you guys, you can use it, you know, do it. It was just this moment wow. of like, yeah, isn't it? It's fun. Isn't it? You guys should try it instead of, you know, sometimes when you'll say to a team like, Hey, cool opening. They'll be like, we made it up. And you're right. Like, okay. Take a deep breath. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I don't know. Like I, I, I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, maybe when you asked, you know, as a kid, like, did I want to be a movie star or whatever? And it's like, I just want to keep doing this thing I love doing. Um, and that's, I think, why I love that weekend so much is like, obviously, you know, it's cool when I get like paid to do the thing that I love doing. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just want to do improv all the time and forever. <laughs> so um, like that weekend was a good reminder of that. So one thing that I have to ask you about is I remember, you know, when I watched um, you and Vincent watched you guys mm-hmm. perform together. You would do scenes, and of course it was long form. There would be these long scenes. But I remember sitting there, and I would think to myself, okay, the scene is is coming to an end. There, there, there's nothing more to talk about. <laughs> and somehow, some way, one of you would pull in something from nowhere, and it was like, oh, that's a logical next step. And it just like <laughs> it just made sense. So how did you – discover that skill because that is not an easy skill to do is to keep a scene going in a logical manner so how did you develop that let's see I think um we both enjoy the um like the feeling of what you're saying when you're like okay this is where this scene would normally end what happens if it doesn't um so I think that's part of like we just like I just like how that feels you know it's that little bit of like scary um I love, so uh, TJ and Dave, that, you know, phenomenal improv team. Mm -hmm. I forget which of them said this, but one of them um, in an interview talked about, and this is so like whooshy and new agey, but that like the scene is already there. You're just stepping into it and you, you play those characters for as long as you want to. And then you step back out of it and kind of like the scene keeps going, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And like, I love that idea. And I think that that's really interesting to me. So I think that's kind of why we stay in those scenes sometimes. Um, and if it's, if it's fun, I want to keep doing it and, you know, not in a, like annoying, I am aware that the audience is there. I I don't want to like put them through something they don't want to go through, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, it also should be about you too, you know, or else why are you doing it? It, I think if it's just about the audience, you have a problem. I think if it's just about you, you have a problem. Um, cause in the first one, like if it's just about the audience, that's when it gets real jokey and gross feeling. Um, and if it's just about you, it's just like masturbatory. Nobody wants to watch that on stage. Um, and so I think like we've, 
we've been doing that show together for a really long time. Like we've figured out how to kind of push ourselves to sort of the edge of that. So really for you, I mean, it, it, it I really like hearing it. It really is interesting to me because for you, it seems improv is not just about making someone laugh or giving someone, you know, Hey, that was a funny joke. Good one liner, but it's about the experience. Oh yeah, totally. And taking them on this journey. I like mm -hmm. that. And it's interesting because, you know, obviously I'm talking about these like long scenes and letting it breathe, but then I, I also love doing really dumb stuff. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, Mark Kendall and I did a show that was like basically all bits for like an hour that we just wanted to try weird things. And I mean, I, I think it goes back to exactly what you're saying. Like it's about the experience, whether that experience is we're, you know, slow down and breathe or that experience is like, let's see how dumb we can get. Mm hmm. Yeah, and so I know uh, you and Mark's show came just a couple weeks before you left Atlanta. So mm -hmm. talk about your last couple shows that you did at The Village. And I want to know, was your leaving Atlanta similar to you leaving D.C.? Or was it harder? Was it easier? How did you feel? Well, let's see. Leaving Atlanta was definitely um, harder. I was, I was there for longer. Oh, okay. Um, and so I was in Atlanta for five years um, and I had a great experience. So I, I think what, what feels really good is knowing that I left not like running away from something bad, but like going towards something I wanted. Mm -hmm. So that, that feels really good. Um, and I, I would just say like this fall after I decided, um, I, I wasn't sure I was feeling, you know, this summer, I wasn't sure if I was feeling a little bit burnt out. Um, like if I was getting tired of improv or if I just needed to, to change, you know, make a change in my life. And I was so scared that I was tired of improv. Um, <laughs> it, I was terrified because I was like, this is what I do. Like, what do I do if I don't do this anymore? Um, I was feeling kind of dramatic. And, um, and I, when I realized I, w I wasn't tired of improv, I just, you know, was ready to, to change some stuff. Um, I got like very hungry and I did a lot of shows this fall. Um, and it felt so good. Um, cause a bunch of stuff that I was kind of like scared to do, I decided to just do. And so Mark and I actually did a couple of shows together this fall that, um, were exciting because of that feeling of like, this makes me nervous and mm -hmm. now I'm going to do it. Um, and yeah, so we did that. We, we did a ton of Rufio shows just, Basically, I did all the shows I'd always been wanting to do, but for some reason hadn't. I just did all of them. <laughs> and so now you went to Chicago, and what mm -hmm. what what is your next step? Uh, fame and fortune. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's going to be interesting because it's definitely, you know, a starting over. Not that I'm, you know, like the most famous person in Atlanta, but like I could, I could do the shows I wanted to do. I could perform with any, the people I wanted to perform with. Um, and I'm definitely going to have to sort of reprove myself up here, which is terrifying, but exciting. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, um when I mm -hmm. when I interviewed uh, Tara Oaks weeks and weeks and oh, weeks yeah. ago, she was one of my first interviews. Um, she talked about moving from Atlanta to L.A. to pursue acting, 
And Mm -hmm. I was like, so what's that like moving there and not knowing anybody? And she she told me this and I want to see if you agree with it. She said, once you're involved with the with the comedy world, you're involved with the comedy world everywhere. Mm -hmm. So do you know people? Do you already have like kind of like an established base in Chicago? I do. Yeah. Um, Because of people that I've performed with in other cities who have moved here Um, and then just friends of friends within comedy. Um, I do. So I'm lucky in that. So what, what is one theater that you're looking at get involved or maybe a couple theaters? I mean, the main like impetus for me in moving, I love the annoyance that theater, mm-hmm. um, make Napier's books are my absolute favorite improv books. Um, I feel like all of the things that I believe teaching wise, he just like says better. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I think it's pretty cool to be in a city where like that exists, you know, and the guy who wrote those books is at that theater. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, Chicago is the home of improv. You are in, you're in the Mecca of improv. Yeah. That's um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is. And it, I think too, and this is kind of like a little sappy, I guess, but I don't know. I wonder if one of the reasons that like I wasn't super into like late night TV as like a younger person and was because there's nobody who like looked like me doing it. You know, there were not women hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there are, you know, and I mean, I think Samantha B is fantastic and I love like Sarah Silverman's new show. Um, but there there weren't I think I never like thought of that as a as a job for me because I didn't see it. Um and one really cool thing about Chicago is there are like women here who've been doing this a lot longer than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always had this fear that like improv was like a young man's game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and because, I mean, you know, like classes are full of 22 year olds, um, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, but I, I guess I always had this like, <laughs> like fear in the back of my mind that you can't do this forever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool seeing here like people who who are who are um because that's that's what i want so what's your ultimate goal and your ultimate dream oh man um i mean obviously you know the the things people always talk about of you know like like writing a pilot that gets picked up or being on snl like those things would be incredible um i i know i want to I mean, I know I, at this point, like, I, I just, I want to be able to keep doing improv forever and I love teaching and I love coaching. Um, and I want to keep doing that. But I mean, the main, one of the big like impetuses for me in moving was I felt like I was teaching and coaching so much that I was more focused on that than I was on being a performer. Mm. And, um, I'm obviously I won't be teaching and coaching here right away because nobody knows who I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so like knowing that I can like really focus on being a performer is really exciting because that's, that's what I really want to do. So when it comes to Rufio, are -hmm. you guys, I mean, I can't imagine you guys are splitting up. I can't see (laughs) that you guys are like, well, you know what, you know, I'm moving to Chicago. So this is the end. I'm sorry. No, I can't see. No, We've already applied to like a festival this spring. We'll, we'll do a bunch of stuff still. Okay. So you'll, you guys will still meet up. So this is not the end of Rufio. 
no, heck no. Okay, good, good. <laughs> that, that's really, <laughs> really, this whole interview was to ask you that one question. So, oh man, I can never tell Vincent this interview exists or he'll get real full of himself. <laughs> so we're all good, we're all good. And now, you know, for my last question that I have for you, and I ask uh-huh. every guest this question, so it's always the last question that I ask. Um, okay. If you were to give one piece of advice to someone who eventually wants to be in your shoes, what piece mm-hmm. of advice would you give? Oh man. Um, I mean, I think like really w- the big thing for me is, is knowing that you can take comedy seriously and that like, great. If there are nights that you just want to like mess around with your friends and like, you know, do goofy stuff, that's also important. And it, you know, that helps you a lot, but like knowing that it's, it, it's cool to take comedy seriously and that, and I think like improv is an art form and it can be whatever you want it to be. So if, if you put in the work and you take it seriously, it's going to, it's going to be something beautiful and that that's just as cool as, you know, messing around with your friends. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. And if, <laughs> if people want to, you know, follow you on social media or check out some of the art you're doing, what are some mm-hmm. of the ways that they can find you? Yeah, so I, I have a art um, and design website. is CassidyRussell.com. Um, and then um, we, um, so Rufio, we have a website and like Facebook page and we write real nerdy blog posts and stuff. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Vincent's going to kill me, but it's either rufioimprov.com or rufiocomedy.com. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So look them both up. And the one that has my picture on it is the good one. That's it. That's the one we go with. (laughs) Well, well, Cassidy, I appreciate you being on the show. And thank you for bearing with me through through our technical. No, it was exciting. uh, It was. It was very dramatic. It felt like a soap opera. It was like ER. Oh, yeah. It was very I intense. I cried a lot. Uh, you, I, see, I didn't cry that much. I, it wasn't <laughs> a lot. I mean, there was definitely tears, but it wasn't. That's my other piece of advice. As often as you can cry on stage, do it. It's so fun. Just do you, just weep. <laughs> so do you like it because the audience is like, is she is she really upset? <laughs> is she okay? <laughs> so do you like it because of that or because of the big reaction that it gets? I mean, I think just playing emotionally is really fun and crying's the scary one, so it's the most fun. Okay, I will keep that in mind. And anyone listening, yeah. just... Go forth and weep. Even if you're not in an improv scene, just go <laughs> just ahead. Just cry more. Just cry more. Just break down. <laughs> You'll get huge reactions. People will love it. They'll yeah, it's true. Love it. Well, Cassidy, like I said, I appreciate you being on. I, No joke, when, when I saw Rufio for the first time, I went to people and I was like... You don't understand. I just saw the best improv I have ever seen <laughs> in Atlanta. Like it, it truly, like it truly just blew me away. And still, like even when I do improv now, um, and I don't know how a scene should go, I no joke think to myself, what would Cassidy do in this <laughs> in this scene? And, and I'm not kidding. That's not me like trying to suck up. That is me genuinely telling you how you have changed my mentality of improv. Um, well, thank you. So it really is an honor to to talk to you, and I'm so excited to see what you're going to accomplish because I know it's going to be just absolutely amazing things. <laughs> thank you so much. That's really lovely. 
And to anybody listening, remember, you can find us on Facebook at Talking Late Night. You can visit our website at www.talkinglatenight.com. It's the one with my picture on it. And you can also find <laughs> us on iTunes at Talking Late Night. So thanks again to Cassidy for being on the show. Thanks again to you for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.